In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and we are finally back with another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, it's good to be back. We took a little hiatus with the podcast, uh, with Gus being born and the work on our second book. Uh, The podcast got put on the back burner, but we're back and we'll be returning to our regular schedule of new manly podcasts every other week. So let's get started with this week's edition. What makes a man a hero? What attributes do heroes share? Are heroes made or born? Well, our guest today has been researching these questions for 20 years. His name is Dr. Frank Farley, and he's a professor of psychology at the University of Temple. And Dr. Farley has focused his research on how psychology affects risk-taking, motivation, and heroism. Well, Professor Farley, welcome to the show. We appreciate your time. Delighted to be here. Okay, so Professor Farley, you have done a lot of work in the study of heroes or heroism or what makes a hero uh, what has what inspired you to study that? Because it's it's kind of an interesting uh, area of study. It is, and I really got into it back in the 1980s, um, the middle to late 1980s, for many reasons. One of which is that psychology, this great field, really wasn't doing much about heroes. Uh, they were studying all sorts of things, but heroes wasn't a, a major one. And if you look around at society, the very concept of hero is enormously important. People often model their lives, or at least some of their lives, after heroes. And the world of entertainment, look at Hollywood couldn't survive if it couldn't put, you know, heroes on the screen. And so, and history, you know, history is heavily influenced by this idea of heroes. So I started studying it. And, you know, other reasons are that we need more heroes. You know, both the great heroes, you know, the ones out there on the world stage, the Martin Luther King Jr. or the Gandhi, people, famous people who are out there changing the world. But we also need heroes up close and in our families and in our communities and in our lives uh, where we need people to, you know, take a stand on issues, uh, help out a neighbor, uh, be kind, loving, and generous to other people. Uh, all of that, all of those are heroic qualities, and we need them both, you know, up close and personal in our lives, in our communities, in our cities, in our countries, our nations. We also need them out there on the world stage, the people who literally change history. So we need, we need heroes. But why is that? I mean, because I, I think a lot of people, you know, very jaded or cynical people in our postmodern world would say, well, we're beyond that. Heroes are something for a, a prior age, a prior time. Uh, we shouldn't be, we should be beyond this hero worship uh, and, 
you know, just see people for who they are and not, you know, attribute anything more to them that that's there. And those are all great points. Uh, I don't use the term hero worship. I'm not interested in worshiping heroes. I don't encourage it. I don't think it, it's important. Uh, so I'm certainly not suggesting that. But to me, heroes are people who change the world uh, in a positive way. And so, you know, Winston Churchill was a hero. He stepped up to the plate uh, when, you know, in World War II in England and uh, was enormously influential in the outcome of the war. Martin Luther King Jr. St- stepped up to the plate where civil rights were were under assault and and in in the southern United States and, and in other parts of the country Gandhi stepped up to the plate and put his life on the line and in fact both he and King you know were assassinated for the heroic work they were doing. So we need heroes. We don't need hero worship. We need heroes to inspire us to sort of um, help us get direction in our lives. And we also need heroes up close. We need people in our communities, our families, who will do, will inspire us, will encourage us, will, um, that we can learn from, and people who will do right in our lives, both up close and at a distance. And those are what heroes are. And uh, so I have no problem whatsoever with the concept of heroes. By the way, it has a long history in the human race. You know, you can go back to mythology of, of, of thousands of years ago, and we had heroes, and we still have them, and we have them for a reason. Basically, the heroes inspire us to be the better angels of our better selves, the angels of our better selves, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they have many qualities, and we could talk about that. Yeah. Well, let's let's you know. get to that. What are some of the qualities that heroes share that you have found in your study? You know, there's. Uh, by the way, there's so many approaches to studying heroes and to understanding heroes, and often heroes will differ one to the next. That is, they may all be doing good works, uh, and and inspiring a- activities. But they may differ in all sorts of other ways, differ in their background, their race, their, their gender, their ethnicity, their education level, and so on. But some of the things that I think are important, courage and strength, I think that's one of the defining qualities of heroes. They are courageous. They don't uh, shrink from challenge, and they rise to the occasion when good deeds are are needed. Another aspect I think that's important with, for heroes, generosity, kind, compassionate, generous. Heroes tend to be giving people. They're generous. And in some cases, they give their lives, as in Martin Luther King and Gandhi, uh, for what they were doing. And, you know, that's the ultimate act, and uh, to give up your life for a, a great and noble cause. They tend to be, uh, heroes tend to be pretty accomplished people. You know, they tend to be uh, skilled, intelligent, accomplished in some way. They're good at something. Mm -hmm. And uh, they may be, Gandhi was a lawyer, for example, and uh, Churchill was a very accomplished person. And you can go on through all the lists of heroes, but they tend to be good at something. Honesty and integrity is another feature. Uh, many people who we might think might be heroes 
are sort of knocked off the pedestal because they're shown to be dishonest. So integrity and honesty are key features. Another aspect of heroes that uh, I think is important is our feelings about them. That is, do we feel affection for them or something positive or good directed from us, the people, to the hero? It could be, if it's up close, it could be our feeling toward our parents or somebody else in our lives uh, who is, is doing heroic things. Or it could be how we feel about a national figure and a kind of emotional or, or affectional quality that we feel toward that person. Another feature, uh, something I've studied a lot, is risk-taking. By and large, I think that we want our heroes to be willing to take risks. Um, we don't really want our heroes to be, you know, wallflowers, you know, people mm -hmm. who sort of uh, wimp out and aren't willing to take on the big challenge um, or even a relatively small challenge. They're just risk-averse. And so much of heroism requires a dose of risk-taking. Um, you know, if you're going to run into the building and save the, the baby, the burning building and save the baby, or jump into the river and save a life, you gotta, you can't, it's very hard to do that if you are seriously risk-averse, you know? You gotta, you gotta be, have that risk-taking quality in there somewhere. If you're going to stand up to a, a tyrant, maybe in the workplace or maybe a government tyrant, a leader, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of thing that's going on uh, this spring in Egypt. If you're going to stand up to what you believe to be a tyrant, that's risky. And so the people who I happen to believe the people who will tend to do that tend to have this risk-taking quality in a significant way. And then finally, I think another thing, um, aspect that we look for often in our heroes is motivation you know they're motivated people uh they they've got drive they're determined they're motivated and you'll see that uh, gandhi is one of my favorite examples and despite you know being in a different culture from us and some time ago he still resonates you know if you see the movie gandhi it's just an inspiration he was so determined and so motivated to get the british out of india and to and to create home rule in his own land and i mean his determination was just amazing so those are some of the qualities hmm. uh, a question came to me that that as you were speaking um that i was hoping maybe you might know is whether the circumstances make the hero what i mean by that are there some individuals that you've studied that would would have just led you know uh you know, pretty normal, average life, mediocre life, if it weren't for some grave challenge that they had to step up to. Um, and they were able to flourish and, you know, they needed that to become heroic. Or is it something that, you know, you're just born with and it doesn't matter the circumstance and you're going to be heroic no matter what? Honestly, Brett, we don't know for sure. But we do know that there's um, in many psychological qualities and you know psychology is at the center of heroism you know and the only way we can really understand heroism thoroughly is, is basically through psych psychology in my view but one of the things we found in the world of psychology as, is that 
many, many psychological qualities have some genetic factor. Uh, we don't know how much it can vary from psychological quality to psychological quality and so on. But So my take on it is something like this. I think that heroism is a mixture. It's, it's due to your upbringing, your family, your community, the influences in your life, your peer group, the people who have had an impact on you. It's also due to who you are. And... I think it's both. It's the person and it's the environment and the experiences the person has had. So, for example, I was talking about risk-taking. If you are very risk-averse, you just don't take risks. You stick to the safe, the secure, the tried and the true. You probably won't do the great heroic things. You may not jump into the river to save the person, you may just quickly phone 911, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so you'll do something, but it may not place you yourself at risk. And um, some people just really have trouble with dealing with risk. And so my guess is that the, the truly risk-averse probably won't do some of those, those uh, heroic deeds. On the other hand, th- there are the risk-takers. And the people who sort of thrive on risk, you know, and uh, the kind of more fearless people among us. And they'll do that job. So, it's uh, again, it's a mixture of the person and the situation of their lives, how they were raised, you know, their parental influence, the influence of all sorts of other people, uh, even, you know, what they've been reading, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, and their peer group and what goes on at school, all of those things can impact them. And that, together with their personality, who they are, are they risk-averse or not? And the outcome will tell the story. Do you think people could become more heroic if they wanted to? Say they looked at their lives and said, well, I just, I don't, I want to acquire more of these attributes. I know, you know, I have a tendency to be like this, but can they strive to be more heroic if they want? I think so. We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. And now back to the show. I I do think so. Uh, I don't know if somebody who's just totally risk averse, you know, can move very far in the in the risk taking direction. 
but I think that many people can become more heroic. And a lot of it, in my opinion, depends on the institutions that really have an impact on us. Family, community, schools, education, the people you surround yourself with. So I think people can become somewhat more heroic. One of the key ingredients for me is what I call, you know, factor G, generosity. I mentioned some of the traits of heroes and some of the qualities. Uh, generosity and risk-taking are, are very important ones. The generosity piece, that's something you can teach, you can encourage in children, you know, and helping them to help others. And there's nothing new about that. You know, the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, you know, they all have those kind of ideas to, be, to help others. Mm-hmm. Most great religions have that as well. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, etc. The G factor to me is a very important one, and it's also one that you can do something about. You can, you can raise children to be helpful, giving, generous kids. And that's a key factor in heroism. It's not the only factor, but it's an important factor. The risk-taking factor is another one that you can work on. You can get, you can get children to be a little bit more risk-taking. If they're kind of risk-averse, you can encourage them to try a new thing, try a new experience, instead of just always doing the same thing and sticking to the, the tried and true. Try this experience or that experience, you know? Try out that little roller coaster <laughs> at the local you know, community fair. Move them along a little step at a time so that they begin to be capable of facing change and facing challenge, and that's the essence. In my opinion, the survival skill of the 21st century is dealing with change and risk and uncertainty. We are in an uncertain century, and look at what's happening in the Middle East right now. Who knows where that will go? Who would have thought that America could be invaded, you know, and the two largest buildings in the country brought to the to the ground. And so this is going to be a century of change and uncertainty and risk and challenge. And so I think it's very important, you know, to get kids who are very risk-averse to work with them. If your children are like that, work with them to get them to be willing to go out a little bit on the limb, you know, and pretty soon they'll get better at it and better at it, and that's a survival skill, so that when some really horrendous challenges come into their lives, they will be able to deal with it. Okay, so one of the things you mentioned in the attributes of a hero is how society feels about them, how we feel about heroes, and it seems like just in even my own lifetime, you know, I'm 28 years old, it seems there's been an apprehension by individuals to take on the mantle of heroes and even by society at large to look at to individuals as heroes. I, I, I think it was, um, uh, I remember I, I grew up, you know, admiring baseball players and football players. And, and, but there came a kind of a time when I, I stopped doing that. And I, I noticed a lot of my other friends stopped admiring, but, you know, and for, you know, over a century in this country, Athletes were uh, a source of heroes for a lot of kids. And I remember, you know, Charles Barkley. I think he's the one that said, "I'm not a hero. I'm not supposed to be a you know, hero for kids. I'm just an athlete." Uh, what What do you think happened in our society and our culture where being a hero or looking to people as heroes was has sort of been on the decline? 
Well, I don't know for sure, but we still have heroes. And I think that post 9-11, you know, 9-11 showed us what heroism was. The police, the firefighters and so on, they did not have to go back into that building to save lives. They could have just walked away and, you know, said, you can take this job and shove it. But what was it, over 300 of the of firefighters and police and, and the emergency medical care, you know? And we, uh, and America really saw what heroism was. And I agree, prior to that, we just didn't seem to have a lot of the, the real goods, you know, the mm -hmm. real heroes. And along comes 9-11, and all of a sudden, you know, it jerks us back to to heroism. And there it is. That's what it is. You know, look, kids, that's heroism. Hmm. And, you know, this nation has been so influenced by heroes throughout our history. But, you know, it did seem that we were going through a period when we didn't see a lot of heroes, uh, you know, in, in government, in Washington, D.C., you know. Yeah, yeah. We have presidents who just didn't seem to be great heroes and so on. But I think we are getting back to a, an appreciation Hmm. of what heroism is. And um, it's interesting about sports figures, by the way. Uh, they, in, in most surveys that get done of American heroes, they tend not to do very well anyway. Huh. So and maybe it's sports commentators who sort of make them out to be heroes, but I think Barkley probably is onto something. Yeah. They, they're not really perceived that much as heroes, even by kids. Now, kids will, you know, uh, sometimes have sports heroes, sure. But uh, here's an interesting thing for you. Parents away outpull sports figures as Is heroes. right? Huh. Yes. In fact, that was one of the first things we discovered when we started doing heroes research in the 19, late eight, 1980s, was all of a sudden we found, when we asked people who their heroes were, parents topped the list. And that's, it was the same for kids, you know, like seven, eight-year-olds, young kids, and adults, that m mother and father were the most frequently cited heroes. With kids, you after the parents, you then got a, a, a you know, some other relatives sometimes, mm -hmm. like grandmother, grandfather, uh, and so on. And you also got a lot of superheroes, you know, Superman, yeah. that sort of thing. Those tended to drop out you know, with older kids, and with older kids, high school and so on, and, and college, you begin to get, you know, real-world heroes, mm -hmm. Martin Luther King, for example. But parents top it, uh, sports figures tend not to be big on the heroes list. I thought a lot about that, and you know, I, I've sort of come to the conclusion that there's too many sports figures. <laughs> you know, yeah. How can you? We have so many leagues and so many sports and so many stars. You know, how's a kid to pick out one over the other? Yeah. You know, back when Michael Jordan was active, I mean, he he sort of so dominated the sport for a period of time, and was so elegant and graceful and had all these positive characteristics that you know he was often seen as as a hero. But by and large. It's hard for anyone anymore to stand out, truly stand out, and be the Babe Ruth, you know, of mm -hmm. our time. And so I think that we won't see sports figures very much in the heroes' lists. We haven't, you know, recently, and I don't. I think we'll probably see even less going forward. But parents, 
But by the way, I think the most consistent American hero, public hero, mm-hmm. you know, the person out there on the world stage, is Martin Luther King. He occurs in survey after survey, hmm. which is pretty interesting. You know, it's like people realized he was doing something profound. And it's the same with Gandhi. Now, we don't know Gandhi the way we know Martin Luther King. You know, we don't have streets named after Gandhi. <laughs> but um, Gandhi led the way, and it was a heavy influence over Martin Luther King, of course, nonviolent protest, etc. And uh, tends to outpull just about everybody other than parents. Uh, he outpulls polls most presidents. The presidents, by the way, in the last um, hundred years, typically, and polls that get conducted, it tends to be JFK and FDR. Those somehow or other tend to outpoll most of most of the other presidents. If you're going back earlier than than a hundred years, uh, Lincoln tends to be, and so you've got Lincoln, FDR, and JFK, typically the most frequently cited uh, in many polls, uh, where the Oval Office is concerned, and outside the Oval Office, but in the world of politics and and civic life, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, So, Professor Farley, you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier uh, some of the things that, you know, parents can do to have their children, uh, you know, have an appreciation for heroes. Is there anything else we can do to you know, continue this trend of bringing back um, the hero in our society? I think um, education has got to be a major area. Kids today, 2011, in America, spend more time for sure at school than they do in, with their parents each week. Mm-hmm. With the one-parent family, almost half of American families are now headed by one person. That one person can't do it all. You know, I mean, the old nuclear family back in the 50s, mom, dad, two and a half kids, mm-hmm. you know, that's the nuclear family has exploded. Mm-hmm. It's gone. And back in those days, both parents could be involved in helping, sharing the duties and helping each other and so on. That's gone, at least for almost half of American families. So families can't be the only institution of change. Uh, they're an important institution, uh, and the media, by the way, is also very important in getting messages, heroic messages, heroic role models, heroic ideas out there. But education is the is the biggest institution, I think, that we can influence in this area. Kids spend all these several hours a day in school. Here's an interesting uh, thing. Back in hundred years ago, uh, they often talked about heroes. They often taught the life of heroes, mm-hmm. heroic behavior in the schools. We tend not to do that anymore. Now we talk about theories and isms, you know, there's capitalism, there's socialism, etc. But take an idea like nonviolent protest and try to teach it to kids today using isms, you know, using theories and all that kind of stuff. And the kids, you know, will probably stare at you. You have to show you this blank stare when they see in the media that it, it seems that problems are solved through violence, through mm-hmm. revolution, through marching in the streets, through war. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's America. We've got, we got two wars going on right now, basically. 
And what's a kid to believe? And so they will assume that nonviolent protest is some absurd theory, you know, marginal kind of idea. However, if you then talk about the life of two heroes of that idea, Gandhi and King, and talk about what they were able to accomplish through nonviolent protest, the light bulbs come on. Hmm. And the kids can see how it works because it's embedded in the life and times of a real hero. You're not talking fancy-dancy theories, you know, from psychology or sociology or something. You're looking at a person who did it, and it worked, and it changed the world forever. And so, to me, that's we need more discussion of heroic behavior in the schools, in the classrooms, heroism up close that you can do yourself in your home and family and neighborhood, as well as the heroes out there on the world stage. Both of those can be taught and can inspire kids, I think, to be themselves more heroic. Well, Professor Farley, well, we're, we're coming to the end of our interview here. Is there any place our listeners can go to find out more about your work? Well, they can uh, email me, frank.farley at comcast.net, and I'll, uh, I'll respond to them. Okay. And then they can just look up my name, you know, Google me, <laughs> see what they come up with. There's a lot of stuff there. All right. <laughs> and, but uh, if they have specific questions and so on, they can just uh, shoot me an email. And uh, I'd, I'd be delighted. Well, excellent. Well, Professor Farley, we really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. It has for me, too. Thanks, Brad. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And until next time, stay manly.